Jairus just wants his daughter to be healed. And Jesus seems to want that as well for her, and so much more. The so much more is the thing in this text, and the thing we all pray for on this Advent night. We are met in this text by people who are longing for healing, dreaming of wholeness. We are met as people ourselves who long and dream for healing and wholeness, each person here in one way or another, seeking to be touched by the Spirit of Christ, daring to believe, to trust as we walk. Jairus is a leader in the synagogue, an important man, but he doesn't seem so important in this text. He is a desperate man in this text. Having a daughter on the verge of death will do that to anyone, really. He keeps calling her my little daughter, my Talitha in Arabic. We learn later that she's 12 years old, hardly little in those days, actually not far from marrying age. But we know what he means. She may be 50. But as long as she lives, she will be his Talitha, his little girl. And his Talitha is sick to the point of death. He is desperate, so desperate, that he falls on his face at the feet of Jesus. This leader of the synagogue falls on his face and begs, the text says, repeatedly for her life. Imagine the scene over and over and over again. My little daughter, my Talitha, my little daughter, my Talitha, come lay your hands on her. My little daughter, my Talitha. And yet there is still time, still time before everything will change forever, still time before death has its way. Jairus believes this with the unyielding hope of a father. There's a kind of of abandon here. Some may say undignified. Some may say even reckless and naive. But you tell me, what if it was your daughter, your son, your beloved? I have a friend who's a chaplain at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital in Memphis. He says so many families come there with their sick children and they are begging. They're desperate for a cure. And the thing about St. Jude is it doesn't matter their social status. The children of celebrities are treated there right alongside the children of the poorest of the poor. But they are all one in their desperation, cutting across all the lines that normally divide. All of them, in one way or another, crying out, come lay your hands on her so that she may live, be made well. All of us would be reduced, as is Jairus, to mere beggars, up against that over which we have no control. He is willing to place his trust in this wandering preacher. 
While there is still hope, he will not rest in his efforts to get his daughter back from the brink of death. And so off they go. The committed father and his last best hope rushing headlong into the crowd toward the house where his Talitha waits. And they are on their way, on their way to Jairus' house. And the crowd is pressing in on Jesus. And then we're introduced to this unnamed woman who has been suffering from hemorrhages. We learn that she has endured much under many physicians. She has spent all she had, and she is no better, but only worse. This makes me think of my friend Catherine, a friend who was diagnosed with cancer, and after getting multiple opinions, she went underwent treatment locally here and received some healing. And then as time passed and cancer came back a second time, she sought more opinions, opinions that led her to seek treatment um, outside of the state, another part of the country, and again, met with some results, some healing. And then when the cancer returned a third time, she sought alternative methods and went outside of the country. I would say that she endured much under many physicians and then returned home no better, but rather worse. And some of you can identify or empathize. You or someone you love is searching or has searched for healing. With each doctor's appointment, there is a greater loss of control, greater frustration, greater disappointment. And then that steady loss of hope turns to despair. And in these situations, we realize that what, really what we already knew, but for some reason, we often forget. We remember that we are not in control, but thankfully, God longs for us to be, to ask for help. God longs for us to realize that we are not supposed to live this life in isolation, trying to make everything better by ourselves. We are called to live in union with God, to live in community. This unnamed woman in the text has heard of Jesus. She's heard of him, but simply in the hearing, she has enough courage to make herself vulnerable and to risk being seen in public. She has been hemorrhaging for 12 years, the same number of years that Jairus' daughter has been alive. And with this condition, she is considered unclean and a social outcast. She has been without her community, not allowed to even enter the synagogue. She's been living in isolation. Now, countless people are touching Jesus. All of these people are pressing in, trying to be as close to Jesus as possible. But this woman approaches Jesus differently. She's very intentional. I picture her, her covered from head to toe so no one can recognize her. She's trying very hard not to be seen or known, for it says she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. 
She doesn't approach Jesus from the front, fall on the ground, and beg like Jairus. Instead, she comes from behind, hoping not to even be noticed. She believes healing will occur by simply touching his clothes, just the very fringe of his garment. She makes her way through the crowd to Jesus, scared but hopeful, and finally gets close enough to reach out in faith. And immediately, after touching Jesus' clothes, her hemorrhage stops, and she feels in her body that she's healed of her disease. Then we learn that Jesus is also immediately aware that the power has gone forth from him, and he asks, who touched me? Now, can you imagine the scene? Think of a celebrity trying to walk down the road with countless fans pressing in. And now think of the disciples as kind of like the security guards. They're trying to help Jesus move as fast as he can to the home of Jairus as people are pressing in from all sides. And in the midst of the chaos, Jesus asks, Who touched me? You can understand why the disciples balk. A more logical question isn't who touched him, but who hasn't touched him. As everyone else is questioning Jesus, the woman knew exactly what he was asking. And instead of feeling joy and elation from being healed, she's filled, filled with fear and with trembling. And with all those emotions, she then falls down before Jesus and tells him the whole truth. The whole truth. What is the whole truth? Is it the story of her physical issues? Partly. But the whole truth is so much more. She believes that she can be made well by simply touching Jesus' clothes. But Mark doesn't tell us that she was made well from this touch. It says she was healed of her disease. And the heart of this passage is in Jesus' response to her. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Even as Jesus is speaking these words, death interrupts. Messengers have come from Jairus' house. And they brought the words that he has been dreading for so long. That his Talitha has not been healed. That she indeed has died. Why bother the teacher anymore, they ask. But Jesus interrupts their interruption. He interrupts the words of death with words of life calling Jairus out as he did that unnamed woman who touched him. Do not fear, only believe. And so now, legs wobbly with fear, speechless with terror, he follows. It's hard to imagine that the fear has left him. I know as a father it certainly wouldn't have left me. It's hard to imagine that he's traded in his terror at that moment for any other emotion. But notice what he does. He follows. 
one foot at a time. He follows. He follows Jesus to that place where the worst has happened. That, that follow in the midst of pain and fear, that following in the midst of doubt and desperation, that following when all one's hopes and dreams seem to have been dashed, that giving over to Jesus is the essence of trust. It's the essence of faith. It's that so much more that Jesus wants for him and for us all. He hears his own words of desperation echoed back to him now as words of hope and life and wholeness as Jesus takes his little one by the hand and says, Talitha kum, little girl, get up. And she does. Jesus brings this little daughter back to life just after the unclean woman is healed and then made well. Did you notice that there are two separate and distinct results? One is being healed and the other is being made well. Being healed of a disease seems pretty straightforward, but what does it mean to be made well? Touch seems to be a key part in being made well. Jairus begs Jesus to come and lay hands on his daughter. And then when they arrive, Jesus takes her by the hand. The unclean woman touches Jesus' clothes and is healed of her disease. As I've lived with this text, I've reflected on what does that look like today? How can we be made well by Jesus' touch? Then I read a commentary by Edward Schweitzer that put words to what I was feeling. And he writes, In the act of healing itself, nothing important has happened unless there is a personal encounter with Jesus. The woman was healed of her disease by touching Jesus' clothes. But it isn't until the personal encounter with Jesus that she is made well. It's not just the touch alone that had healed in this story. It is the woman's faith that healed her through touching Jesus' clothes. And it was her faith through the personal encounter with Jesus through the dialogue with Jesus that made her well and brought healing beyond, brought wholeness beyond healing. And we can all have these personal encounters with Christ. We can be in dialogue with Christ every day through prayer, through scripture, through acknowledging the beauty of this world that God gave us, and in each other, in the conversations we have. It is through these personal encounters with Jesus that we are made well. God wants us to be made well. God wants us to enter into the wholeness that God continually desires for us. It is a gift that God freely gives. Jesus continues the message of welcoming all to God's family by addressing the woman as daughter. 
By simply calling her daughter, Jesus is casting the net wider. He's bringing her into this community he has. Jesus came for all and brings grace and wholeness for all. Not every person who seeks physical healing receives it. Both of these daughters will eventually die. My friend Catherine didn't receive the physical healing she had hoped, but her faith radiated from her. She trusted God with all her heart, and as a result, she reflected God's light and love on all she encountered before she was diagnosed, during her battle, and in the end. She experienced the touch that was at the heart of this passage through personal encounters with the risen Christ. And she was continually made well through those encounters, even when she was not experiencing physical healing. Frederick Buechner has such a way with words, and in his book, Wishful Thinking, he says, the grace of God means something like, here is your life. You might never have been, but you are because the party wouldn't have been complete without you. Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. I am with you. There is nothing that can separate us. It is for you I created the universe. I love you. There's no, there's only one catch. Like any other gift, the gift of grace can be yours only if you reach out and take it. And maybe being able to reach out and take it is a gift too. So our prayer for you this night is that you will receive the gift of reaching out to take it. And in the receiving and the reaching, you, those you love, and this world that God loves will be made well. May it be so. Amen.